0: at GraceKettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. And uh, we want to be able to go right to Philippians chapter three. We're going to spend our day actually here in Philippians chapter three. I should just make a note since this is on the screen that at the front table uh, there is a sign-up sheet. We do try I do try to put out a monthly e-newsletter that just captures counseling themes. How to Nurture your walk with the Lord. We'd love to just have you uh, part of that. We invite you to sign up for that. That's at the information desk. Well, you have your Bibles, and I want to just draw our attention to a verse God has used in my life in a profound way just to uh, capture uh, perhaps the greatest goal any of us could have as we step forward with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been impressed as we uh, consider... Uh, The life testimonies of various biographical sketches in the Bible, Uh, how many of those just have tremendous testimonies of faith? And without question, one that comes off the page for me is the Apostle Paul. We first meet the Apostle Paul actually in Acts chapter 7. The scene is Stephen's martyrdom. And Saul is actually there, later to be named Paul. He's there on the the site. uh, There commissioning this uh, execution. He's overseeing that. And he's also holding on to the garments of those that are there uh, fulfilling that awful execution. Well, it seemed that it was the worst day in Stephen's life, but really the blood of Stephen became the seed for the gospel in a life that was to make one of the most profound differences in the church history. That's the life of the Apostle Paul. And as we come to that, Acts chapter 7, we find that it's just a couple chapters later, God meets Saul, later turned to Paul, there on the road to Damascus. I hope this morning you can remember a day you met Jesus. I can remember that day as if it was yesterday. I was seven years old. My mother opened the Bible and showed me from the Bible how I can know Christ as my personal Savior there in 1988. And as I remember that day, my life was never the same. has not been the same since that encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, as I read the book of Acts, and especially Acts chapter 9, perhaps you hardly find a more glamorous testimony of someone coming to faith in Christ and someone who's knocked really down to the ground by a shining light from heaven, a vision of Jesus himself, where Jesus speaks out of heaven and says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And with no doubt in his mind he knew Uh, who was on his, um, uh, who who had his attention. And there the Apostle Paul put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we look at the Apostle Paul's life, and without question, it's one of the most incredible testimonies, one of the most incredible journeys a man God used to plant, history says, over a hundred churches. When I look at the Apostle Paul, we also see a man who was very gifted, Most of the New Testament epistles are written by the Apostle Paul. It's incredible how articulate those epistles are. It's amazing how thorough those are, and some have said, with Paul having studied at the feet of Gamaliel and all of his other academic training, he could have carried something to the equivalent of five doctorate degrees. When we read and meet the Apostle Paul, read his life there in the book of Acts and beyond, all through the the epistles, I'm overwhelmed with a man who, in my perspective, comes to us extremely gifted. A man who God profoundly used for his purpose. But as I look at Philippians chapter 3, I'm reminded by this journal entry that he writes in a letter to the Philippians of something that gives us another perspective into this life God so powerfully used. And it's this simple prayer, I want to read it. We're going to give all of our focus this whole day to this one verse. And this morning I want to give focus just to the first phrase. Let's read the whole verse. It says this, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I want to give focus just to those first words, that I may know him. As we look here in Philippians, I'm impressed by the fact that perhaps no one knew God more theologically than the Apostle Paul. For someone to be able to pick up the pen, obviously it was under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but to pen the whole book of Romans, the book of Ephesians, and the book of Colossians, the book of Philippians, and so many other epistles, it is incredible to find a man who knew God theologically. He's a man who definitely knew God academically. As we look through the Apostle Paul's um, history both here in Philippians and then other places, we find he definitely had a lot of training under his belt. He was a man that had sat under the feet of Gamaliel, a very esteemed rabbi. And in this particular chapter, earlier in Philippians chapter three, Paul captures for us several things that were part of his pedigree, part of his background, part of his credentials that made him from a human perspective extremely qualified but as we come to philippians chapter three paul helps us to realize that there's something in his life that you and and i need every day of our lives and that is lord i want to know you but i don't want to just know you academically and i don't want to just know you theologically i want to know you devotionally I want to know you experientially. That is the prayer of this man as he prays in so many words that I may know him. Oh, that I may know him. I want to just capture a few thoughts here this morning. As we think about a man who expresses thirst for God, I'm impressed by several things that can make our lives spiritually barren. Have you ever found yourself spiritually parched by the barrenness of sinful pleasure? I know there's been times in my life where I yielded to the impulses of the flesh, somehow believing the enemy's promise that if I would yield this once, I would be satisfied. Only to yield and on the other side of yielding found myself extremely disappointed, extremely dissatisfied extremely spiritually parched perhaps we find ourselves spiritually parched by the emptiness of temporal values i've i've often saved my money for important purchases sometimes those were necessary purchases sometimes those were things i had really had a dream of if i could just get this particular uh, item it would be exactly what i need for um, being able to do what I'm doing even better, only to get that item and then immediately realize the emptiness of things. Isn't it amazing? We can buy a new car and it's not long before we realize the emptiness of things. Whatever it is we set our hearts on, we can be- find ourselves spiritually parched by the emptiness of temporal values. I found myself spiritually parched by the hollowness of past successes. We actually find that actually in Paul's testimony here in Philippians chapter 3. We find Paul saying this. Uh, I want to begin reading in verse 5 as he lays out his credentials that would seem to stand to the marks of success and fulfillment. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day. As a Jew, that was a big deal. Of the stock of Israel, I'm not just of any country in the world, I'm a Jew, I'm born, a Jew born in Israel, of the stock of Israel, not just any tribe, but of the tribe of Benjamin. There's a lot of significance to that reality. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. If, if there's the most Jewish person you could possibly find, I'm he. That's what Paul is saying, and he says this, as touching the law, I'm a Pharisee. Now, from a religious standpoint, that was very much a high mark of success, a high mark of accomplishment from human eyes. But Paul was realizing that all of these things were absolute emptiness, absolute zeros in his life, apart from the knowledge of Christ. I'm realizing in my life that as we step forward with Jesus, the greatest need in my life is finding spiritual Parchedness, satisfied with the reality of His presence. I'm impressed as well that sometimes we're spiritually parched by the busyness of daily life. You know, the fact is, every one of us have a full schedule every day of our lives. And as we look at 2022, sometimes we can be tired just thinking about the next month. If your schedule's like mine, I already feel that way. But it's a reminder of the fact that I need something more than just a full schedule. I need a reality of Jesus. And then also sometimes we find ourselves spiritually parched by the neglect of spiritual fellowship. And wherever we find ourselves, I find as we're beginning a brand new year, this reality from Philippians chapter 3 is exactly the heart cry that ought to characterize every one of us. Oh, Lord, that I would know you, and this year not just know you academically, and not just know you theologically, but that I can experience the reality of your presence. There was a thirst in this man's soul, in this apostle's soul. An incredible salvation experience on the road to Damascus could not be everything he needed today. And your salvation experience, as awesome as that is, is not everything that we need for this day in your personal walk with Jesus. I am impressed as well this morning by several other men in Scripture, other individuals who captured this same heart cry in other words. Job said this, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. David said in Psalm 63, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee, my soul thirsteth for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, notice to see two things, to see Thy power and to see Thy glory so as I have seen You in the sanctuary. What David is saying is, Lord, I've come to church and I've seen your power and I've seen your glory there, but my life is not forever lived in the sanctuary. And I want to see that same power I see when I come to church on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday of my life. Oh, Lord, that I could see your glory and that I could see your power just like I've seen you in the sanctuary, just like I've seen you on... In our terminology, on Sunday, Mary was praised by the Lord Jesus there in Luke, chapter ten. She sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. And Jesus commended her, but one thing is needful, and Mary had chosen that good thing, which shall not be taken away from her. I'm impressed as we look at the Apostle Paul, a man who was saved on the road to Damascus, an incredible, articulate preacher a successful church planter, a a scripture author, a prisoner for Christ, but his deep heart cry and prayer was, "Oh Lord, that I may know you. That's uh, exactly what we need, and I just want to call out three things that are important to remember if we're to know Christ. Knowing Christ is measuring the success of my life against experiencing God's presence rather than gaining God's approval as we step forward in this year I'm really amazed looking at Philippians chapter 3 that Paul understood that the success of his life was measured against one thing I'm looking at success in my life and I like to define success by a lot of different things I like to define success by Um, Financial stability. I like to define success by particular opportunities that this year has to offer. I like to define success uh, by certain academic achievements or by certain uh, uh, personal development venues in my life. But Paul here is helping us to realize that there is one benchmark for life success one benchmark for life success and that benchmark is not when i come to december 31st 2022 looking back and understanding how did my life measure in the perspective of all those around me but it's living but it's living every day of this year for the audience of one that i may know him you realize that our lives are only as rich as the degree to which we know god that's why paul could have many credentials we often think of philippians chapter 3:14 that famous verse i press toward the mark forgetting the things which are behind to somehow be forget all the sins of the past i'm choosing to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling Perhaps there's some application that could be drawn there, but this particular text reminds us that Paul is reminding himself of the need to forget the successes of the past because there's only one success that matters the most, and that's the success of knowing Jesus. The success of my life is experiencing the daily presence of God in my life, not just living. For the approval of that. Are you measuring your life by what others think of you? Are you measuring your life by how well you meet others' expectations? Are you measuring your life success by how you compare with others' successes? Or perhaps, hopefully, are you measuring your life success by what God thinks? Paul was so burdened and driven by this one agenda. O Lord, that I may know you. Jeremiah said this, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord, which exercised kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. What a verse. It almost sounds like uh, Paul has captured and paraphrased this same concept all the way in the Philippians that we find there in uh, Jeremiah. I'd like to also just remind us that knowing Christ is not just about measuring my life success based on experiencing the presence of Jesus. But number two, knowing Christ is meeting a person not merely maintaining a discipline. As we come to this year, I love the first day and the first week and the first month of a brand new slate. We're right at that time. It's January 2nd, 2022. It's a a new beginning. It's a beginning of new opportunities. Um, There's goals and there's accomplishments I hope for every one of us there's a sense of vision there's a sense of what God wants to do for your life and through your life but as we think about anticipating what this year looks like to plan for nothing we're sure to hit it at the end right in other words if we just kind of let life happen with no intense intentional pursuit of specific goals and achievements life just happens on us and next thing you know it's passed us by and perhaps uh, what could have been accomplished in the stewardship of that year has been lost but I'm also reminded that as we embark on a brand new year sometimes we can go to the other extreme besides not doing anything to plan to go to the other extreme where we measure life by all of these goals I want to do this and I want to accomplish this In such a sense that we're all about accomplishing things versus meeting a person. I know for me, I like to think of my life in various categories. There's goals uh, perhaps in personal development. There's goals related to family. There's goals related to finances. There's goals related to ministry. But it took me some time to realize that the most important goals I'll ever set in my life are the goals I set for my life spiritually. Where is it that you want to be with God? But I've also then been coming to realize that it's not just a matter of setting a plan to read a certain number of chapters this year. It's not just setting a plan only to pray a certain number of minutes or only to meditate a certain amount of time. That is so important. God uses that, all of those, as catalysts to help introduce us to a person. But I've been realizing that knowing Christ has everything with me me meeting a person. Not just maintaining a discipline. As we come to have our devotions this year, I hope that as you read your Bible, you're anticipating meeting God. The best way to do that, I like to do personally, is to just keep a highlighter right in hand as I work my way through the Bible. It is amazing how much God just opens up his word and draws out certain things that are so important for my life. I was always the kind of person when someone gave me a brand new book and a brand new Bible, I wanted to read that book or Bible all the way through and it looked as brand new when I finished as when I started. I hated writing in it, hated underlining, hated highlighting any of that. It didn't matter whether it was my Bible or another book. I came to realize that my Bible is actually my life manual it's the thing God wants to use to speak to me specifically today and if I just open that book each day simply uh, reading black text off a white page I can check a number of boxes all 365 days of that year and have missed A person. Knowing Christ is meeting a person, not simply maintaining a discipline. It's discovering Jesus to be all of these and so much more. Do you know him? For uh, for many of us in the room, perhaps this morning, you would say, absolutely. I know he exists. I know he's the creator. And I remember the day I got saved, I know he's my savior. But I want to ask you, but do you really know him? Do you know him in these ways? Do you know him as your strength today at your weakest moment? Do you know him to be your refuge when you're overwhelmed with insurmountable obstacles? Do you know him today personally as your counselor when you're lacking wisdom on the right decision to make? Do you know him as your advocate? First John helps us to realize when we sin, we've got an advocate with the Father. And too often I can live life so cavalier. Just ignoring the promptings of the Spirit of God, certainly never testifying to the fact that I'm a perfect person, but never taking the time to ask the Lord, would you search me and know my heart and, and show me any wicked thing?" any way of pain in me and would you lead me in the way everlasting oh to know god as my advocate do you know him as your enabler you know today god has set before you a pathway for this year that's actually impossible This year is not just a life full of difficulties. This this year is a life full of impossibilities. And if there's one thing we need to know, it's to know God in a way where He is my enabler, my best qualifying factor, for His strength is my weakness. That works so backwards of how I think God should work in my life. But my greatest qualifying factor for his strength and knowing him is embracing my weakness. Do you know Christ? Do you know him as your friend today? And do you know him as your peace? We could add so many more attributes, in fact, names of God. But Paul writes, Oh, that I may know him! Oh, that I may know him! It's a brand new year. And life's success this year is measured more by you experiencing the presence of God. Not just meeting the expectations of people. It's a life this year that's all about meeting a person. Not just fulfilling a list of disciplines. And I'd like to also just challenge you, I'm going to, for time's sake, just step forward here um, to the final point time's sake, we'll uh, get there. All right. Okay, here we are. And that is finally making an investment that counts for eternity. And I just want to draw your attention here and uh, an investment that counts today, that costs today and counts in eternity. Philippians chapter 3 has really Um, arrested my attention in the fact that what comes before the words we've quoted this morning, that I may know Him. Paul said, and I'd like to just read this, actually beginning in verse 8, he says, let's actually read verse 7, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, what? That I may win Christ. Paul is helping, helping us to realize that knowing Christ involves a very costly investment. For him, it's not just a sideshow to everything else that's happening in his life. It was an intentional choice of priority to set aside, in fact, to disdain some things, to sacrifice or surrender some things in order to make this his number one focus. Anyone who's ever run a marathon understands what it is to give life focus to one objective. I have a friend of mine who's run a marathon and I'm impressed by just the incredible Uh, dedication that those individuals um, invest toward that goal and if you're running to accomplish even beyond just running a marathon but receiving some kind of gold medal like those who run an Olympian marathon Olympian race uh, there's definitely an incredible amount of dedication and investment toward that Paul helps us to realize that in knowing Christ it requires me making an investment that absolutely costs something today. For me, it may look like the cost of sleep in the morning in order to get up before I'm on my way to work to meet with God. I can think back to a time where my life was very much driven by news. Every hour I had had to have the news on because I just wanted to keep up with what was happening next and I realized how much that was just uh, drying up my thirst for God it's possible for sports to have such an attraction such a focus in our life that it's actually stealing a love for relationship with I don't know what it is for you, but I'm just impressed by the fact that Paul understood that for him, knowing Christ, looked like surrendering some things in order to have something that was so much more valuable. As we have 2022 in front of all of us, I want to commend to you that you have the richest opportunity before you that's in the grasp of every one of us and that opportunity is knowing Christ knowing Christ not just theologically not just academically but knowing him devotionally and knowing him experientially it's a knowledge that's all that's measured not by how i compare in the lives and perspectives of others but it's a life that's measured by my experience of the presence of Jesus. It's a knowing Christ in such a way that I'm meeting a person. I'm not just fulfilling a list of duties and disciplines. And most importantly, it's making an investment that's so focused on a willingness to make significant surrenders because there's a prize to be gained on the other side of this life. I'm impressed by 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul talks about one day your life and mine will be tried by fire. And at that important one-on-one appointment, you and I have at the judgment seat of Christ. Our lives are either going to be a pile of ash, wood, hay, stubble, or it's going to be a life marked by gold, silver, Precious stones. And the thing that makes the difference in that eternal day is knowing Christ. Oh, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for this morning. And Lord, I just thank You that as we anticipate a brand new year, You've called us to a relationship with a person. His name is Jesus. I thank you that our life success is not measured against how we stand the eyes of others. It's in our personal experience of the presence of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would give us that determination to pursue you in a way that's willing to make a costly sacrifice in order to experience the reality of Christ. Pray in your precious name, because you care. Amen.